listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. Struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. But we are your resident best friends, here to help you along your relationship journey. Think of us as your very own fun fairies, bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust all over the place because it takes a village and we're your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. Today's episode is brought to you by Hero Cosmetics. Guys, they sent us over the Mighty Patch. It's awesome. It's a magical little hydrocolloid acne patch. So I had a date scheduled for Sunday and a monster pimple popped up on Friday night. I was worried that I was going to show up on Sunday still with the same pimple, but I stuck on my Mighty Patch and in the morning on Saturday, the pimple was totally flat and much less red. I felt so much better about the way I looked going into this date on Sunday and was way more confident. And guess what? Now we have a second date planned. Well, that should be enough for all y'all to want to try it too. And if you guys want to try this Mighty Patch for yourself, you can use the code COMPLICATED15 for 15% off on herocosmetics.com. Change is hard. Sometimes it's for the better, but it can be hard nonetheless. The changes that we've encountered in 2020 have been big, and we've all been trying to find our footing personally and professionally. Now we all need to work on accepting the fact that these changes are our new normal. Work looks different. Dating and relationships definitely look different. Obviously, I know because of all the FaceTime dating I've been doing. But thankfully, we have a village of experts to help guide us into this brave new world. And one of those experts is award-winning author, sought-after speaker, and relationship coach, Dina Babel. And she is joining us to discuss what it means to love strong, how to cope with your partner returning to work, red and green flags for a new online relationship, and how to understand your partner's conflict style. Dina is an expert in the field of relationships, as you can tell by all of the topics we're talking about today. She's also the author of The Fatherless Daughter Project, Understanding Our Losses and Reclaiming Our Lives, and of course, the recent Love Strong, Change Your Narrative, Change Your Life, and Take Your Power Back. And she's the founder of the Fatherless Daughter Movement nonprofit. Dina's skills as a relationship expert started at an early age when she was the go-to source amongst her family and friends as their relationship reader. With this distinct ability to read people on the spot, she has the gift of figuring out where and why a person is stuck in order to help them reclaim their lives. At the age of 28, after the breakup of her second marriage, Dina realized that she needed to change the way she approached love. This inspired her groundbreaking and wildly successful relationship coaching process, which she's used to change the lives of thousands of her clients. She offers private coaching courses and seminars. A graduate of University of South Carolina, Dina began her career as a registered nurse, climbed the corporate ladder of a Fortune 500 medical company, and started and sold her own greeting card company, Dear John Cards. So she's done like all the things. Dina has appeared on the Today Show, Fox News, CNN, SiriusXM, Dirty Sexy Funny with Jenny McCarthy, and many other media outlets like Time and Redbook. Dina is also a member of the Women in Film and Television Atlanta and the National Speakers Association of Georgia. She's a weekly contributor to NBC's Atlanta and Company on Real Talk. She also has her own weekly show, Keeping It Real with Dina, which can also be found on Binge Network TV, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, Talk 10 FM, Facebook, and YouTube. She lives in Atlanta with her husband and two children. She can help you craft a Dear John letter, and she can teach you how to love strong. Welcome to the show, Dina. Okay, Dina. So your book, Love Strong, just came out. What inspired you to write this book? Oh my God. Uh, Let's see. Let's get out the violins for a minute. So in my twenties, I went through a pretty monumental breakup. And what happened from that is all my trauma from childhood kind of caught up to me. I was more or less the runaway bride um, in all sense of the word. I was always the one breaking up with people and moving on and like, why are people getting so tripped up with each other. Like, you know, I'm above that, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and I didn't say it like in a cocky way. I just felt like maybe I had not been in love at the level I needed to be. And um, I went through a pretty bad breakup. Now, I've been through other monumental breakups that didn't slow me down. And this one tripped me up so bad that I kind of lost and found myself. And to get, and I was in a whole different state. I was kind of alone because I'd moved to where the guy lived. And it made me sit back and really dive into my own history and my family's relationship histories and everything that you can imagine. And I started healing like it was my job. And there's a methodology that I created for myself. And I have ended up using it for the past two decades for when you get to a point in your life, whether you're married, single, dating, and you feel like you're not getting what you deserve. And I don't mean like the man or the woman you deserve. I mean, deep down, you're not living at your fullest potential in love. And I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And so I wanted to go back through and write a book that will speak to everybody where they are at that moment and help them get the real magical, strong love that's out there for everyone. And I, I wanted to do it in a book that you could take away for a weekend and, and do the guide work with it. So you could walk out of there and say, okay, here's a couple of things I need to work on and not make it a monumental lay on the couch for two years to figure it out. That's awesome. And it sounds like a book that we should all be reading right now. It's uh, the right time, I think, for change, regardless of what is going on in your life and what is better than loving strong. So what are some of the things you recommend off the bat? Yeah. So first and foremost, in Love Stronger, even on my website, I think one of the biggest things you can do is figure out your vantage point, right? So what I find, and I'm sure y'all can relate to this, is when you're going through a relationship that might not be your best, you know, foot forward, you don't, you, you start arguing with the people who love you or support you about the situation at hand versus how you feel, right? And a lot of times we blame it on the person we're dating or the person we haven't found or whatever. And I think the first thing you have to do is figure out, are you loving strong or are you loving weak? And it could be with yourself, your friendships, or an interpersonal relationship. And so if you're loving like strong, you're going to feel empowered and restored. And, you know, you'll feel at peace and you'll feel ready to go conquer things. And you'll be able to give and receive pretty freely. And um, you're happy, right? You're ready to try new things and you feel secure. When you're loving weak, you don't feel heard or seen. And so a lot of times people question themselves or they feel misunderstood, out of control. They might act out in anger and they feel fear, right? And so a lot of times what all of us do at some point in our life is we try to change or contort who we are to match the situation because we feel so intense about this person that we think it's got to be us. It's got to be us. And so I think what you have to do is first figure out where you're coming from. So what we do is, as human beings, especially as women, is we project all that onto another person versus saying, what is it, wh what are we giving and receiving? And if we do it in a basic of, is it weak or is it strong? We kind of know where to go from there. Okay. So that's basically a way to like look inward and think about yeah. like the story you're telling yourself as opposed to what the reality of the situation is, because you can talk yourself in or out of anything, especially in relationships. You know, people say a lot of times like, well, it's not worth it. If it's not, you're not working hard. I think it's kind of BS to say that because yes, relationships take effort and love takes compromise. And you know, it's not, always easy but like that's not a, an excuse to stick into something or stay in something that's like super hard all the time I think people like that's like a narrative you tell yourself when we pick and choose what we want to tell certain people right so you have your go-to counsel like I know if I go to my friend Sarah she's going to be my big supporter my listener I don't have to reveal a whole lot right she'll just listen you got to also have like a mentor and, and I mean, like a relationship mentor, like there's a person in your life or persons in your life that have the relationship you're looking for and the way you want to feel. 
And if you find them and you say, hey, let me check in with you and tell you what's going on. I think where we get confused is we go around and we ask people that are in the same boat as us and maybe have accepted weak love as well. And we're just tossing all these ideas and analyzing it to death, but we're not really growing. That makes so much sense that, you know, you do go to your peers that are in the same boat as you. I have, you know, single friends, obviously, and I'm single. And we talk about this stuff often because we can share what it's like online dating right now through COVID, you know? So we get each other versus somebody that is in a serious relationship and is not aware of what it's like to date right now when you have to actually social distance. But what tends to happen is, is that you are talking in circles because it's like the blind leading the blind and it doesn't feel like anything moves forward um, using like best practices or like, well, this is how I, you know, put myself out there and found somebody and now look at the results. Mm -hmm. Instead, you're using something that has no results to guide each other. Yep. I think a perfect example, like in, if you look at what's going on in the media right now, I, I talk about Khloe Kardashian a little bit in the book. Like she's got her friends and her sisters and her people around her when all that stuff was going on with her ex-husband and then Tristan and all this. And, you know, they're all feeding each other, like, don't put up with this, do this, or let that happen. Or, you know, it doesn't matter that this happened. Right. And she had to get to a point, which it looks like she probably did, to say, instead of putting all my energy and effort on these men, I got to put it back into myself. And when she did it, she got physically fit. She got probably mentally healthier. And, you know, who knows what's going on in her real world. But if you look at how people do it, we all fall down. And we all have to figure out how do we get back, not to who we were, but who we're supposed to be. Yeah, that is I think we can all relate to that feeling of like we've got different go-to friends in our circle or like what we call here at It's Complicated Our Village that will tell us like I'll listen or you know Jen will give it to me straight or any of those but you can't do any of the you can't make any of the changes until like you made the Khloe Kardashian comment until you're ready to do it yourself and then once you are everything falls into place that's super relatable to know, like, we all have that, those influences in our life, but it's going to be kind with yourself, I think, in a way, because it's going to take something within you to make the actual change. You can't really rely on your circle to, like, make you make the change, but I guess they could motivate you, right? Yeah, I think the broken parts of us are where the magic is. I mean, Every time we see it over and over, right? Had I not been through that, I wouldn't have wrote this amazing book. I wouldn't have wrote my last book. I wouldn't have thought of things in different ways, right? And I think in our society right now, women are taking control and taking charge. Whereas even a decade ago, you're still even embarrassed. Like, you know, I don't want to say I'm from this type of family. I don't want to be connected to a divorce. I don't want to be connected to this failure. And I think now because society is catching up to, look, we're strong women. We know what we want. We know what we're looking for. But a lot of times we were told so many times like, oh, you're, you know, X, you're, you're screwed up, you divorced, you put up with this, you put up with that, therefore you're damaged goods. It's not, it's all about evolving. And I think a lot of women now today are going to wear that with a badge. You know what? I got divorced. Who cares? This is what I learned. I was in this type of relationship. Guess what? I figured it out. I put my career first. Now I'm 40 years old and I want to get it right. I'm ready. Right. And there's all these ways we deflect and do what we do. But I think you should take your past, take your history, understand who you are, because you're powerful. And that's where all the rebuilding and the beautiful parts come up. And we don't want to sit on a therapy couch for three years, because guess what we do in therapy? We run from pain. So we then talk about the girl at the vending machine at work that pissed us off. You know, we don't talk about what really happened. And so I think using a book like Love Strong or whatever your, however you get your new perspective, 
it's giving you the time to do it in your home. And what better time to do it during quarantine? It's self-reflection situation. Uh, the best time. We talk about that all the time. Like if you're not taking a moment to, I mean, do whatever you want. Obviously everyone copes with things different, but if you're not taking part of a moment to self-reflect and do some work on yourself, then I think maybe, you know, you might want to try to self-reflect, but I guess <laughs> that's asking you to do something you can't do. But speaking of like past, you were talking about therapy. That's such an interesting perspective of like going to therapy and like not really digging deep and like talking about something else, like, like the woman that bothers you at work or whatever. Like, how do you, I guess, how do you know the difference if you're trying to work on yourself and you're trying to flush things out? How do you know if you're getting to like let's just say like a past childhood trauma, right? And like, mm -hmm. you know, that can obviously play into how that your relationships play out. How do you get to that point where you're working on that and not talking about other superfluous stuff that don't really matter? Yeah, it's interesting. Everybody does it at different time frames, right? Um, and so some people might do it when they're 20. Some people might do it when they're 80. You know, everybody's at different points. But here's the cool thing. All of it's meant to happen. So there's really not a wrong way to do it, right? Unless you're being, unless you're unhealthy. But I've, what I have found in all my years of working with couples, women, men, it's real simple. Um, people get stuck in certain phases, right? And if you go back and you figure out what is the phase that I get stuck in. So in the book, we go past, present, future. And we start with the history of your parents, okay? So when your parents came together, got married, had you, whatever, what vantage point did they choose their people or that person? What was going on in their world? Was it everybody gets married in their 20s? I need to have a baby. You know, why did they choose each other? And then those verbal and nonverbal cues play out in your childhood, right? And you learn certain things like, Here's how I should react. This is what love should look like. Or you learn it from a nonverbal way. I don't see my parents hug or kiss, you know, or whatever. And you start calculating all these things. So by the time you get to your adulthood, your inner child, if you haven't dealt with it and figured out how do I separate what happened with my family and my environment, you got to separate what was good and what do I want to throw out? Because if not, you'll take that inner child with you and they'll go from sitting in the backseat secure and in a you know safety belt to I'm going to drive the car. And they're right there under the surface. And what they're doing is running your adult show. And what you have to do is figure out where is the disconnect. And it's usually, if you look at your relationship history, Jen, or anybody's relationship history, there will be a part, whether it's the attraction phase, the commitment phase, or whatever it is, where you seem to lose your steam, right? And you got to figure out what it is. Like, when is it that I'm not checking in with what I really want? Am I in the idealization phase where I'm like, he's great. He likes candy bars too. And he wants four kids too, so therefore we're meant to be, right? Is it there that you're getting, you know, off kilter? And all of it goes back to real core basic values. If you know your value and you know what you need in that relationship based on core values, not if he drives a Porsche and he's six foot eight and he played football and blah, 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 blah. You know, all that's BS. When you break it down to what do I really need, then you can figure it all out. And then all these phases, you start going, okay, these are the things I need, not on paper, but how do I need to feel? Yeah. And I, so a couple of things there. I mean, there's just so much. Well, one, you mentioned losing steam. And I feel like for me, that's always translated into like an ick factor where I feel uneasy because I can tell something is like off kilter, like you said, and- Oh my God, me too, Jen. I hate that. That I, I was just trying to say like, when does that happen for me? Because it totally happens and I don't know what phase it's in, but it totally happens. It's like, right. it's feel a, gross the kind of, it's, yep. 
it feels like you're going in the direction of the way this relationship is playing out, but you feel stuck or you feel anxious throughout it, like angsty and like something's not aligned. And like, you know, when you relax, you feel relaxed. But when you're faking relaxing, you feel like you should be doing something else. It's that feeling like you should be doing Mm -hmm. something else, I guess, if I had to like pinpoint it, where you might feel like is this, it starts to bring about the feelings of is this the right relationship. And once I start going down that rabbit hole, you might as well open that door and close it behind me. But um, going back to what you said, looking back at your parents dynamic, and picking it apart a bit to see what you learned that was like good and bad, and what you might be replicating or trying to repair in your normal life. Like, at what point, though, do you question whether what you know to be right is actually right? Yeah, that's tricky because you might not, they might not tell you the truth. You might have believed something that wasn't there. And I'm not saying go in there and ask your mom or your dad every single thing, right? It's just that you took in verbal and nonverbal cues about love, right? So if you can piecemeal together and and in the book, there's a complete guide to this. So I'm going to tell you from point A to point Z, right? So you're going to get in. You're going to do your own relationship history from your point of view and from your, the person that you were in the relationship with. And you'll start to find at different junctures, even though you were creating, you'll say, why did I pick this person? I picked this person because he was fun. I wanted to have fun. Here are the things that didn't work for us, right? Here's what he would say that didn't work for us. And then as you go through that grid, you'll start to see some of your core messaging of like, what is your fear and what have you been trying to conquer in life? Because we all have it, right? So you know how if you work in corporate America, they have personality tests, right? So in Love Strong, I have the Enneagram Love Strong test. And it goes through and helps you understand your personality type based on your childhood messaging. And what that will do will then take you in and say, this is how I love, give love and receive love, right? So if you're married and you're listening to this, you're going to say, well, I'm married. I made it happen. I'm good. Well, how is your conflict? Because if you can't reconcile in a healthy manner, then it's not strong love, right? And I don't mean like, look, I have the best relationship and it's brag worthy. And, you know, I'm just at the top of my game every time, right? It's more or less, what is it about me and what's going on in the situation that the fears that I'm trying to conquer that make me react and act this way? Because guess what? We're trying to love everyone else the way we want to be loved. That's how, that's how we're dealing with it. And we try to have conflict in the same way we learned conflict. And so once you find out how your partner or how your future partner is or how you are, you'll be able to say, here's my roadmap. Here's some triggers and here's the boundaries I need to put in place. Then you'll put your core values in check. I list 100 in the book and I tell you how to figure them out. And let's say your core value is I need trust. I didn't have trust as a child, blah, blah, blah. And you are dating someone new. And they say, I'll pick you up at six o'clock and they don't show up at six o'clock and they don't call. That's the flag. Now your girlfriend over here might go, who cares? Well, she doesn't need trust the same way she's, she feels like she already has trust, but for you, that might be a big deal. So you have to really look at your gut and what it is you need. Like for me, I need acceptance because I'm loud. I'm proud. I got a lot of stuff I want to say and do. And sometimes I embarrass people because I'm direct and in your face. I need someone who says, go dance on the table if that's what you want to do. I'm secure. I got you. And everybody needs to figure out who that is. Whereas a friend of mine might say, your husband gives you way too much room. Like, you know, maybe he doesn't care enough. No, this is what works for us. She's got to figure out all, there's so much to it. That's why I put it all together in a guide because it'll help kind of get you through all the points. Yeah, that's, that is, there is a lot there. It is very layered, but you brought up a couple of good points. Like 
it going back to, I think Jen mentioned before, like the blind leading the blind, it's very much so that like, I have had, right. You call your girlfriend, Sarah, because she's the one who's going to listen or whatever. Yeah. That goes back to that because you've got the, the girlfriend that then might say to you like, well, why'd you text him back so fast? Now he's going to never respond yeah. you eager and then the part in you that doesn't understand that doesn't need to feel like wanted because I'm acting aloof then I, that to me is like bad advice and then you don't I don't like I don't want to turn to that friend anymore because I'm like you're telling me to act inauthentic to me I remember going through that in my single days and being like how am I supposed to take from my friends like advice from my friends if I feel like what they're telling me is different than what I feel like inside. And it was like kind of a hard, I, I think I had to sort of start deciphering, like maybe I don't talk to this girlfriend about boys, but I talk to her about like going out. It's the same. It's the same as when you're dating, you weed out your people, right? So you might have your party girls that you've had a great time with and y'all have traveled together and everything, but then you might m meet your best friend at work because you're in a different place and you've kind of grown and evolved. And it, it's hard because we got to start sometimes dismantling stuff or changing or someone else is in the lead or whatever happens. There's nothing wrong with it. We're all supposed to grow. Right. And so I think where we, where women especially get confused is not knowing their own needs, their own worth. And I don't mean like, girl, you're hot. Don't worry about him. I mean, how do I feel worthy? What's important for me and my goals and my life and the things that I'm trying to make happen, right? And everybody's going to have different stuff. And when you get to the point where you very much know who you are, sometimes people don't love it because they're like, oh my God, she thinks she's got it so together. Well, you do. That makes so much sense. Like what, again, you know, the blind leading the blind and we might just keep saying that because we're all blind until we find whatever works for us, but still whatever, like what you're saying, whatever works for us may not work for somebody else. Yeah. And we're still even blind when we find like, I'm in a committed relationship with a child and like, I still am like, conflict style wait hold on that's like love languages but it's conflict style like that's a whole other thing that it, like you got to understand <laughs> but going back to what you were saying about um figuring out what you need in order to feel good and secure in a relationship is going to be different from person to person as you said so when someone comes to you and asks you for advice no matter who you are and what you are you could be the best friend ever but if that thing isn't going to affect you, then it's not going to resonate with them. So you're giving advice based on what affects you, not them. So like I, for instance, find many things to be red flags because to me, they're big tells for further behavior that I've seen in the past over the course of time. Not like one time this person did this one thing to me. It's more like a trend that I base my red flags off of or knowing myself what makes me feel icky, insecure, unsafe in a relationship and what I'm looking for. So if you come to me, I give you the straightforward answer as to why it affects me that way. And you can sort of pick and choose a la carte style if that's going to resonate with you. But I, I see friends come back time and time again for advice, even though the advice you're, you're giving them isn't advice they want. And it's like replaying a broken record. And I'm like, how many times can we tell each other these same things? And why don't you hear yourself talk? You've already established you don't want to date that guy for X, Y, and Z. But now today you're questioning why you're not dating that guy. I'm like, well, your words told me why you're not dating that guy. I think we all can hear it pretty clearly. Your red flags were the following. So like, what advice would you give friends then to help their friends through these things without imposing our red flags on them and opening them up to find out their own? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think that couple of things. One, if you're hearing the same thing over and over from random people, friends, everything, it's probably something you need to work on, or it's probably a time to dig a little deeper into that situation. When you go back and you do your histories and we help you set up boundaries, understand your triggers, all these things through the book, it will become so blaringly apparent of the things that you have to pay attention to and where you're gonna have to get off your butt and move, right? And you won't have to go to your buddies because you're gonna, it's, it's like doing a business plan for relationships. 
and you're going to look back and you're going to say, you know, what are, what's my narrative? What is it that I keep playing out and what am I looping over and over that's causing some of this, right? And once you understand that, you know, you have a girlfriend that starts to become evolved that used to be a train wreck and you go to talk to them. They're like, yeah, I got that. I figured I wasn't going to do that anymore. And you're like, what? When did she blossom? I don't even know what happened, right? It When they get there, you get there and you start to go, I'm going to make different decisions. It's time. And, and we're all there at different points. And what's the hardest thing I think for women that love each other is we don't ever want to see someone get hurt the way we've been hurt. So to leave someone behind or to grow around them can be tough because you want the best thing for them. Right. But sometimes letting go of security blankets and them not getting the advice from you over and over yeah, again. That makes sense to helps them do kind the of check yourself and, being on either side of it. So whether you're giving advice over and over again or receiving it over and over again, mm -hmm. it makes you sort of question like what you could pre be projecting onto somebody or, or anything. I mean, you just have to have an open-minded perspective. I think when you're giving advice or receiving it and I think communication, it comes out differently in everybody, right? It's like love languages that we talk about that on the show a lot. Like how do you want to give love and how do you receive love? And clearly that comes from things in your childhood. Um, how do, how does conflict style, because that kind of seems like, and maybe we're not understanding it correctly, but help us like conflict style is sort of like a love language, but it's like how you are arguing potentially and what what your style is and what your partner style is are there different mm -hmm. types of conflict styles like how love languages have the you know um receiving and all of that yeah 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 there's different conflict styles and i think sometimes people get mixed up with conflict styles and attachment styles so a conflict style is like if you're arguing are you the battler? Are you a compromiser? Are you an avoider? Meaning if you're a battler, you're the one who's like saying crazy stuff and you're trying to dig in and you're probably more of, um, you know, I'm going to tell you like it is and I got no room to hear you because I'm the end all be all, right? If you're a compromiser or collaborator, you're, and listen, if you're a battler type, that works well if you're trying to figure out where to go to dinner. Like, okay, I've said these two restaurants, I'm picking one. That's great. It doesn't work when your wife or your husband is upset and wants to be heard. That doesn't work, right? If you're an avoider, the avoider person is always the one who misses out because they're in their head the whole time trying to figure out how to make you feel better. So they avoid every possibility and they build up a lot of resentment. And it comes out eventually. So the person that you thought was so cool, calm and collected will one day lose it. And they might lose it by just leaving. Right. Um, I think when you look at attachment styles, there are people that attach in, dis in different ways. They're either dismissive or they're anxious. There's all in, you know, or you're secure, which is like, you know, 1% of the population. Right. But you, you get out there and you go, okay, so let's say you're a battler and you're someone who's going to take no BS, blah, blah, blah. And then you're dismissive. How do you think the other person feels? Do they feel heard? Do they feel seen? Of course not, right? And we learn all of these things because of a fear base that started in childhood. And we learn to go, okay, my parents are drinking too much, whatever, so I'm going to just avoid everything. Whereas your brother might say, my parents are drinking too much and I'm sick of it. And I had to take up for my little sister. So I'm going to tell people off. Right. And that, that battler may have had to survive a lot and they had to depend on themselves. And so I always like to understand people's stories, like right up front, really dig into their story because you can quickly understand why people do what they do. And once we understand that, I'm not talking on the second date going, hey, my mom tried to kill herself and this is what happened. And blah, 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 right. But 
you want to understand who you are and why you react the way you do so that you can navigate. Because if you go in blind, right, and you're like, well, these relationships didn't work. I think a big key for anybody listening is if a relationship didn't work and it sidelined you for an enormous amount of time, you got work to do. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things there too. Um, I mean, we could listen to you all day, honestly. And obviously everyone needs to go get your book immediately or don't get it. I'm going to buy it for you as gifts. But anyway, is it possible to change your conflict style? And also, if it's not, if you and your partner are two very different conflict styles, is that a cue that you're not going to have a successful relationship? No. No, because everybody's going to have different. You don't want the same conflict style, right? You, I mean, it doesn't matter. It, you just have to understand. Like, for instance, my husband is, if you look at my Love Strong Enneagram, right? He's a perfectionist, number one. So what he needs is to write his, you know, on the Saturday, he needs to write his list, get his to-do list done. I could say the house is on fire in between his list and he wouldn't be able to hear it. Okay. So from a conflict style, I'm a compromiser. Hey, um, you got time to talk? If he's like, look, I'm focused on my, you know, to-do list. I'm like, well, he's not compromising. I'm turned off. Right. So what I have to do is change it to, okay, it's six (laughs) o'clock. I'm going to sit down and want to talk to him. Does it always work? No, but that's how it works for him. Whereas I'm more of an optimist, right? And so I'm a processor. I'm a quick thinker. I'm very creative. And so he's in the perfectionism stage of trying to perfect everything. I'm like, that's a waste of my time. Let's keep going, right? So what I do is he teaches me how to slow down and be a little more pragmatic, And I teach him how to have fun. Okay. This is, I I love this because this is, we talk about every stage of relationships on this show. And this is sounding like advice for people who are like already in something to start digging deep and saying to yourself like, Hey, how do I approach this? Because I already know how this person is and how, and how he may or may not react or how she may or may not react. And it could even be like a friend or like a business partner this would be helpful for because you kind of already know them. But what do you do for people that you don't know that you're just meeting and layered with that, Dina, like we're online dating right now. We're virtually dating right now and we don't even get to see all, all you can. Yeah. All you can do is like online date, but like, how do you start to discover these things? I mean, communication is a big thing right now. That's like all you have to rely on really. There's like not physical things that can happen. And so this could be good, but how do you see these little, you know, red or green flags in a new online relationship? And how do you then start to decipher like conflict styles or like love language? Or is that something that just happens way later? Um, I think I've written a lot of articles about quarantine dating. So I could talk about this for years, but I think you have to sit down and say, what am I looking for online? What am I really looking for? Okay. Am I looking for a cuddle bunny? Am I looking for my husband? What is it I really want? What's my goal here? And you got to be honest, right? So once you understand your goal of what you're looking for, that's the energy you're going to put out. And I'm not saying go find a husband because my eggs are ticking and this has got to happen and blah, blah, blah. Although that's real. Just think about what is it I really am looking for in a person, right? And once you understand those values, those true values, it'll come out pretty quick in conversation, right? They'll say, you know, I went and cut my mom's grass because she's this, da, da, da. You're going to, oh, he's kind. I like that, like that, right? And you start going through these things. I think in an online relationship, you can't rush through the phases. So like people that have met someone in quarantine real quick together, that's an odd situation because you skipped all your phases, right? And so the time where you would reflect and go out with your friends and miss them a little bit or say, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to meet their dog and their mother and their neighbor and their, yeah, I met him on day two, Right. So you have to go back and make sure you're putting not 
overly optimistic goals, but more so like, how would I date in the real world? Would I expect them to call me? Would I want this to happen? And look, there's nothing wrong with setting a standard. Hey, um, you want to ask me out? You know, let's go out Tuesday at eight o'clock online. Here's, you know, I'm going to dress up, you dress up, or the things you would normally do, be creative. But I don't think you should get on a phone call if you're not seeing someone and ask them 757 questions about their love language and their life. I mean, you gotta, you gotta first get through the sexy time, right? So you gotta, you know, start to wonder, you probe a little bit and you play coy and you ask questions and you see what happens. So don't overexpose it and get yourself from A to Z, you know, in week one. Take your so time. So on that, are there like red flags we can spot if somebody's trying to skip those steps? Because I do hear from girlfriends, they're, they're telling me that these guys are inviting them over to their house because there's obviously nothing else right. to do. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's patio restaurants. You could go for a hike. You could go to the beach. You could FaceTime and order food together. Like there are other things you can do rather than be in this person's home, which you would never actually do in the real world until like date five. So why are you going on date one and acting so cozy when you literally don't know the person? Yeah. And don't, don't be lazy dater, right? If, if he's trying to bring you over to make a hot dog and chill, is that what you want? I mean, is that sexy? Is that entertaining? Is that fun? If he says, hey, let's watch a movie together, you know, and then you go, okay, cool. And then you make a plan. I'm going to not drink a lot. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to, you know, leave at a certain time. If he doesn't respect it or whatever, that's an issue. But I think flag wise, like if you're in the beginning phase of something, your serotonin's going, everything's exciting, you know, life's good. I think if it's flowing easily and he says, hey, I'll call you tomorrow at two and he does and that conversation's good and everything's going, that's great, right? You feel good. If you find out, okay, someone I know dated him, he's got a questionable reputation or you see him react or overreact to situations you don't necessarily like, look at how you're feeling and how it's starting to make you feel. Is he flopping on plans? Is he trying to have a Netflix and chill on day two. What does that tell you about the courting phase? Yeah, that's all things that you, that's all things that you want to think about for what this relationship would look like in the future. And again, this is all layered onto right now, like quarantine, right? Like you got to think about how this relationship may look if we hopefully don't have to social distance anymore. And now all of a sudden you're in real life with this person doing the regular things. And you might have looked back in the beginning and thought like, Oh, maybe I didn't pay attention to what they were doing when we weren't actually getting to like meet and touch. How do we make sure we know what things to look out for? You know, like when we're not, then when we're not social distancing and we don't want to kick ourselves, yeah. right? Some like, it, oh man. Some of it, you might have to kick yourself. You know, some of it might be that you went into it, you met someone. Look, we're lonely, right? We're bored. Okay. Have grace. I mean, if you have a little bit of fun for a little time and it's not your Mr. Wonderful, that's fine too. But I think when you're able, like your point to, there's patios to have play. You could go to a park. There's a meal you could go walk your dogs, whatever, right? But I think when you can get back out there, maybe not to the extent that we were, because that's probably a year or two down the road, but you got to then say, I mean, I was, I was working with someone the other day that's found like love and quarantine, right? Well, they're starting to go back to work and she's not, she's expecting him because her love language, like y'all talk about a lot is time, you know, spending time together. Well, of course he could do it when they were in quarantine. Well, now he's got a big job. He's out and about. He's mentally exhausted. He's not giving her the same time frame, right? And he's not dedicated in the same way. So when you're getting back out there, you got to say, hey, here's the things I really enjoyed about us. I know we're going into the next phase. Things are going to look a little different. Here's the things I liked. What did you like? How are you, when you go back to work, 
what what do you like? I know you're back. You got other things going on. How do you see? How do you see us spending time now? You know, you got to have those real conversations. What? Not do you want to marry me and have two kids? But what does it look like? And how do you feel about how this is going? It's men love a check in. They like a check in. They just don't want like want to be drilled. How's it going? What are you thinking? And then that's they'll tell so you. smart because having that conversation as it's approaching or like easing back in or knowing that it's coming is a great way to set it up so that you can implement like what you were saying, some of the things you really enjoyed about quarantining together into the real world. And I think even maybe like during this time before you go back in, out into the world to dream together, because dreaming together does also show you a lot about somebody. It's so big. That's what. Dreaming is what makes us all get into relationships. And in marriages, those when those dreams are put to the side because you're having to do homeschooling and virtual schooling and everybody's on top of each other or your mother-in-law moves in or whatever happens, you kind of get you get task oriented and that's not sexy. So dreaming is huge. That's super important. You just, I never even really thought about that necessarily dreaming together. And especially right now, that's something that people should really cling on to. But to be honest, like, I think I did that when I first met the guy that I'm with now. Like, I dreamt about what I wanted with him in the future. And then when I felt like I was okay to like express these wants and needs, we would dream together. We would talk about things in, in the future and um, it was really fun. And like, it felt very, it made me feel very secure. Obviously there's no like, you know, definite or not definite because we've also all been with guys who I've have in the past, at least to guys who've been like talking about the future and then they never follow through. Mm -hmm. So there's always that potential problem, but dreaming together with the guy that I'm with was really fun. And it made us, I, I, it was a lot of insight about like who he was and what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so interesting that we kind of, come up with these ideas of what is our ideal. And then a lot of times we kind of stop and we just expect fireworks and everything to just be keep going off. And all these wonderful things are supposed to happen in relationships. We're learning each other. We're hopefully continuing to grow. Right. And you, it's hard to find a person that you can really grow with. And it doesn't mean you can't. It means sometimes you have to change your strategy because of the situations, you know, like I have a couple that um, have been together for quite some time and uh, the husband's going through some deep depression and has been for a lot longer than she expected. And this is not a guy you would ever see as a depressant. And she's exhausted. She's like, okay, is this who I have? Or is it really the guy I used to have? Is he coming back? He might not. Now you got to come up with a new strategy. What parts about him do you love? What's going to work? What's not? And so we just have to all give each other a lot of grace. But, you know, I almost name this book, Why This Guy? Because there's always, and I'm talking for women specifically that are heterosexual, why this guy, but this could be for anybody, right? Gay, straight, married, not married, whatever. Why this person? Why is this one person triggered this in me or made me stop dating or made me change who I am? Why is this one person not necessarily being, causing me to be codependent, but causing me to lose myself? I don't know where I end and where they begin. I'm confused because I pulled out all my tricks and it didn't work. And what I find is most people, those relationships can either put them on the sidelines for many years. It can make them go, screw this. I'm going to go focus on my career. Or it can make them go, I need safety. So I'm going to just jump into the next thing. Right. And I think you got to sit back and say, that person is a lesson. It's a valuable lesson in your life, just like that bad boss or that crazy friend or whatever. Those are lessons. And if we look at it, it'll help us see the parts in us that if we grow and look, tap into and really take the time to get to know, there's somebody really cool in there. And you just got to use that. You got to use it as power. 
And when you figure that stuff out, the narrative that you've been telling yourself way down deep, the narrative, I'm not lovable. I need to have liposuction. I need Botox. My boobs are crooked. I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to have that. When you start to figure out where all that messaging comes from and you flip the script and you change that narrative, which you can do because I've done it and I've watched many, many people do it. Your life expands in ways you could never imagine. And it is that simple. It just takes a little bit of work and fortitude to sit still in it. I mean, just that alone was so impactful. And like the fact is we all have to learn from our lessons and again, no time like the present because where are y'all going? You're not. So everyone needs to go out (laughs) and get your book and learn how to love strong because it's never too late to learn the valuable lessons you've just touched on briefly in this podcast, but they can dive a lot deeper and really turn their life around for the better or even get it for a friend that you're tired of giving advice to. Do it with your dating um, online boyfriend. Do it together. It's a good reveal, right? It, it helps spark conversation. It's really interesting. I've, I got a lot of couples that do it together. That's so, that's such great advice because once you get to that point, it's a kind of something fun to do. I mean, who doesn't like taking little quizzes and learning about themselves? And it, P.S., if you're dating somebody in quarantine and they don't want to do that, like there's your red flag, goodbye. When on top of it, when he starts or she starts to understand you a little bit better, wonderful things happen. Exactly. It just keeps getting yeah. better. And we think anybody who dives deeper into your book and any knowledge you have to give will just keep getting better too. So please remind everyone where they can find you on the socials and where they can get your book. Yeah. So you can go to dinababel.com. So it's D-E-N-N-A and then B as in boy, A, B as in boy, U-L. So Dina at dinababel.com. You could go check stuff out there. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere. Um, I have a couple of books. So my book before that was called The Fatherless Daughter Project. It's about people that grow up without the emotional connection to their father and how that affects their relationships. And then um, Instagram, anything is all Dina Babel. So you can find me anywhere, anywhere. I'm on NBC in Atlanta every week. Um, There's a million places you can find me. So come and get me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a treat and we also cannot wait to read your book. And everyone listening, don't forget to tune in next week for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest, Jared Freed. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show and It's Complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate and comment. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meets. We'll talk to you next week. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 